Jean-Philippe Soule has led a marvelously colorful life. In this episode, we hear from Jean-Phi from the perspective of award-winning author, travel adventurer, athlete, humanitarian, photographer, and motivational speaker. Jean-Philippe ran ultramarathons as a teenager, served in the elite Mountain Commando Special Forces of the French Army, worked as a mountain guide in rescue operations, taught ice diving as a master scuba diver trainer in the USA, raced cross-country ski marathons in Japan, became Japan Cycling Prologue National Champion at a UCI Asia Tour race, and sea kayaked 3,000 miles while free diving to spear his daily food. He is also a national USA cycling coach and licensed French guide, organizing bicycle tours in the most spectacular mountains of Europe. Most recently, he has organized the annual Ultra Bike Pursuit event through the Pyrenees Mountains of Spain, France, and Andorra. Check out episode 28 with Pierre Charles to hear all about that. Don't miss this storybook episode. I'm your host, Justin Tu. Let's roll. Hey, Ultra family, Justin Tu here, your host of the Ultra Cycling Show. Thanks for tuning in today's very special and adventurous episode with our guest who has led a very colorful life as an award-winning author, travel adventurer, athlete, humanitarian, photographer, and motivational speaker. I just got to catch my breath there. <laughs> Best described on his personal website for over 50 years and counting, 54-year-old Jean-Philippe Soule travels the world, climbing mountains, crossing jungles, diving and sea kayaking, wild oceans, and discovering the planet's most remote regions. His expeditions and world travels often include endurance sports and cultural discoveries. His unquenchable thirst for adventure started at just the age of three years old. He was also an ultra marathon runner as a teenager. He served in the elite mountain commando special forces of the French army, worked as a mountain guide in rescue operations, taught ice diving as a master scuba diver trainer in the USA, raced cross country ski marathons in Japan, became a Japan cycling prologue national champion at a UCI Asia tour race, and sea kayaked 3,000 miles while free diving to spear his daily food. And that's only half of it. So without further ado, let's just first greet and welcome Jean-Philippe Soule to the show. Jeffy, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Justin. Thank you for having me. Whew, man, I need to take a bit of a break, a little rest stop, get some hydration and food after all that. Can't believe that is all just in one lifetime, Jean-Philippe. It's not over, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. And that's the impressive thing. And Jean-Fils, I'm really looking forward to, of course, diving into your life and all of your adventures. You are an author. You have a book and others in the making. But of course, for those ultra cyclists who are watching, I want them to also know that you are the organizer of the Ultra Bike Pursuit. We had an episode with the winner of the Ultimate Pyrenees Pursuit this year. Pierre Charles just recently, several episodes ago. And it's a fantastic event that I'm sure many will enjoy learning about and also looking into participating in next year and the years to come. You are an avid bicyclist yourself as well. And so is your wife, Yumi. 
And it's just a great story. You have a, a grand life, and I'm sure we'll all live vicariously through the stories that we'll share today. And I hope that all of our lives can be as adventurous as yours. I would love to also let folks know a little bit more about you before we dive into the usual sprint round of questions, just because I think it is very illustrative of who you are, what we'll be chatting about. And because, of course, this episode can't be eight hours long, so I would like to just give everyone a whirlwind tour of who you are before we get into everything else. You also, in another lifetime, but strangely within the 54 years, you were also a program manager at Microsoft. You lived here in the U.S., but currently you reside and call home uh, France. You love bicycling, of course, through the Pyrenees Mountains, and of course, the ultra bike pursuit goes through most of that. And you are a national USA cycling coach and licensed French guide organizing bicycle tours in the spectacular mountains of Europe. I don't know how you found the time to do all of this, Jean-Fee. You've also practiced high-level sports your entire life yourself. And you've also been very busy writing all kinds of books to capture these adventures because, of course, in this show, we won't even be able to scratch the surface. So... It's an honor and a privilege to have you and a delight that we'll be able to chat. So thanks again for making the time. Well, thank you for making that, uh, that long resume of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm sure I've left out quite a lot. Before we get started, I'd love just to hear very shortly from you. How would you describe yourself in a couple sentences? Um, I love life. I love adventure. I love people. And uh, I live for passion. So I, I love to share my passion with people. I think mm. most of my life is about passion and about mm. sharing it with people. Mm. I love that. And of course, I've seen that in everything that you've sent me and everything that I've seen online. <clears throat> I would love to show folks just a few photos of yourself as a cyclist so they could see that you are the real deal. Some awesome photos. And I imagine these are in France. Yes, these are all in the Pyrenees, actually. Wow. That must be incredible to be able to ride out there all the time. And of course, here are some photos from the Ultra Bike Pursuit event that you host. Incredible views and spectacular scenery. You also organize and offer amazing bicycle tours out there in France. So for those who would like to enjoy their ride and not necessarily race like Pierre Charles here did, they can sign up and enjoy a nice ride, good food, and a fun time. Yeah, it's very different. The same mountains, but are pushed differently. Right. On the tools, yeah. we do it at, a, well, not a leisure pace. Some people, are, some people are quite strong and they like to push themselves. But uh, we always finish with a very comfortable hotel, a semi-gastronomic restaurant, uh, and uh, some of them have massage, and so it's quite different. We always have like vehicles to uh, support the, the cyclist. Uh, it's uh, it's all custom made, and uh, we privileged uh, comfort. Comfort is the the most important thing. In the ultra bike pursuit race, comfort is not really part of it. <laughs> it's. Uh, uh, you discover the same beautiful scenery. It's, it's spectacular, but uh, it's challenging, very, very challenging. And uh, you could do what Pierre Charles did and uh, sleep every night in a hotel. 
he did that most of most nights, I think. Or you could do what other participants did, which is never spend a single night in a hotel and sleep on the side of the road like many bikepackers like to do. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, these these are very very different things. <laughs> right, that's cool. So you definitely span the spectrum there, and very quickly some uh, stats on the ultra bike pursuit, the ultimate Pyrenees pursuit, which is the combined courses, fourteen hundred and thirty miles, so one thousand four hundred thirty miles, but notably it climbs one hundred eighty two thousand seven hundred feet. So that's a lot of climbing through those Pyrenees mountains. And then, of course, you do offer some other options that we'll get into later, which are, I wouldn't say any easier, but they are less distance and less climbing. And I look forward to getting into that. But as we get started, I'd love to dive into a quick sprint round of questions to get to know you in a fun way as a cyclist yourself. And then afterwards, we can get into all of the events, all of the tours, your books, your own adventures and much, much more. So very excited to be chatting with you. Thanks again for making this time. Now, Jean-Phi, how long have you been riding bicycles yourself? And how long would you say you've been an ultra cyclist? Those are two very different questions. So <laughs> I've been, I started cycling in Japan um, when I was 29 years old. So that was uh, 25 years ago. Uh, so I didn't start cycling very early. First, I was a mountain guide. Um, and in Japan, I, I was racing uh, cross-country skiing, um, marathons and ultra marathons. <clears throat> and in Japan, I started cycling. <clears throat> I won the UCI uh, prologue race there and uh, became the national champion uh, on my very first big race, uh, my first season. And uh, I love cycling right away. I think it, it, it worked quite well with the uh, experience I had in the mountains before. I, I was already a mountain guide in France, uh, but I started cycling late. So I've been cycling for 25 years. I've been a coach for about 16 years, uh, oh. a little longer, but uh, 18 years. And uh, I've been guiding tools for 15 years now. So I've been organizing tours in, in all the mountains of France, Spain, and Italy for 15 years. Um, but I started, uh, ultra, I started ultra distance cycling for my 50th uh, birthday. I wanted to uh, feel alive again, so I decided to cross the Pyrenees in three days. I did it on my own. Um, I didn't know anything about uh, bikepacking. I didn't know uh, anything about uh, you know, all this ultra cycling event. I just decided to do that for myself. And then I, I really liked it. So I picked up a few uh, one-day uh, cycling events. And then my wife told me about an event that crossed all of Europe uh, and that no pair had ever finished. So it started from Norway to uh, all the way to Spain. And uh, we decided to sign up. We finished it. Oh. And that was my first, uh, my first ever experience. And that was last year in 2019. Right, and we were chatting briefly about that before. Congratulations to you and your wife, Yumi. You did reference the event. I want to cover that. I do also have here in the plethora of tabs here, here we go, your wife, Yumi, who, if folks were to read on your Velotopa website, so that's where they could find your bicycle tours, Reading through some of the information here, I could tell that Yumi is just as much of an explorer and adventurer as you. And more than that, even 
an even stronger cyclist in your estimation, right? <laughs> well, she she is a pure climber. Mm. I'm a I'm a fairly heavy built man, you know. I have like big muscles and uh, <laughs> big bones, and so I'm a I'm a poor sweeter. I was I used mm. to race track. Uh, I'm a poor sweeter. I'm I'm really good on the flat, but mm. uh, climbing I climb well for my weight, but I'm heavy. So right. on a, on a multiple climbing uh, day, I cannot keep up with my wife. She's an <laughs> extremely good climber, and uh, I keep up with her on one mountain climb. But when we put like five, six mountain climbs in a row, I have no chance. <laughs> right. She's extremely strong. She finished first, uh, first woman at the Tour du Mont Blanc, which is the, mm. the biggest one-day uh, road cycling event that goes around Mont Blanc. Uh, 330 kilometers with uh, 8,000 meters of elevation gain. She, mm. finished, she placed first woman at that event. Wow. She, she really is a very strong climber. Yeah, that's amazing. So I just did the quick calculation, 8,000 meters, that's 20, over 26,000 feet. So that's almost an Everest in one ride. Yes. And how long of a distance did you say that was? 330 kilometers? 330 kilometers, yes. Okay, so just about a double century, 205 miles with 26,000 feet of climbing. For those viewers in California are familiar with the California Triple Crown series of double centuries, the toughest one is about 21,000 feet of climbing. So that's another 5,000 feet of climbing. That is impressive. And I'm thinking we'll have to have your wife Yumi on the show as well. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, your wife is pretty incredible herself as a cyclist, as an adventurer. And also, she speaks three different languages, right? English, French, and Spanish. Uh, English, French, and Spanish. Yes, that's correct. Right. Yes. And you both met actually on an adventure in Central America, right? That's correct. Yes. We met in a small uh, indigenous village in the mountains of Guatemala. Wow. What an incredible adventure. Start to the adventure. And I'm sure it's been nonstop adventure since. And Jean Fee, you did mention the North Cape Tarifa race that you did on your Velotopa website. You've given a nice summary of it here where people can check that out. It ended up being about for you 7,800 kilometers and just around 80,000 meters of climbing, 33 days total, but only 31 days of riding because you had two days of mechanical issues. And as yes, you mentioned, right. you and your wife actually finished this amazing race. Here's their website as the first pair to do so in 2019. So to give folks an idea, North Cape, all the way up here, Northern Norway, coming all the way down to Spain, Etarifa. Amazing. So that must have been such an incredible adventure. And to do it with your spouse, wow. That was even more of an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I'll hold myself back and try to be disciplined here. Let's get back to the sprint round before I indulge too much in all of the adventures. So you've been a bicyclist for a very long time, involved in the sport, especially in a variety of capacities, and very much so even till today at 54 years of age. I'm curious, Jean-Fi, how many bicycles do you own? 
currently, currently I have uh, I have two road bikes, one gravel bike, and one mountain bike. Cool. So no shortage of fun for you. Which is your favorite? Uh, my road bike. Yeah, it's by my. Uh, okay, I should say my custom-made uh, road bike. Uh, oh, it's, oh, I see. Uh, it's a Ho- Holland bicycle. Ah, yeah. Uh, Bill Holland. Uh, I don't know if you know, but he's a he's a bicycle maker in California. Yes. And he makes custom custom bikes that are just a jewel. They're like beautiful, mm. uh, fantastic, fantastic to ride. So it's it's by far the very best bikes I've ever had. My other bike is a specialized uh, S Fox tarmac. Mm. I like it, but as I'm no longer very young, <laughs> when I guide all day, uh, it it kind of kills me because it's very rigid. Mm, the uh, right, right. the Holland bike is just beautiful. It's just it's it's uh, um, it's as good when you want to push on the pedals, but it's much more comfortable. Mm. So it's yeah it's just fantastic so that's my favorite bike yeah that sounds cool actually i will point out if i remember correctly episode 10 we spoke with Teresa beck another racer out here in california i believe she said she has a holland bike as well so actually um have have heard of that before and nice to get another positive review there we'll have to check it out Bill Holland is a fantastic man, um, and uh, he's one of my customers. He comes regularly uh, on tours huh. in in the PNS, so ah. he loves the PNS, and uh, so yes, very nice. Now, Jean Fi, what bicycle computer do you like using? A Garmin, a Wahoo? Is there another brand? Uh, I use I use them all. <laughs> oh, I see. I have a love a love hate relationship with uh, with the Garmin. So let's not talk about the Garmin. But I, I really <laughs> like the Wahoo. Uh, as a bike computer, I like the Wahoo. Mm, yes, very popular choice here on the show. And I will say, uh, same sentiment I think uh, that you have and many other guests have have shared as well. Now you do so many different adventures. You do the tours. You do your own training rides. What kind of tires do you like using? What size? What's your preferred tire pressure that you like running them at? It's, um, well, actually, I don't remember the name. <laughs> um, okay, on the road, on the road, I use um, the Schwab uh, Pro 1 tires, uh, tubeless, mm-hmm. in uh, 25. And, uh, but that's because I live in the PNS, uh, and so the weight is important. Mm. I, I think if I was living on a, on a flatter place, I would, I would use 28. But because the weight is so important, I use 25. So I use 25 that I run usually at uh, uh, about uh, 70 to 80 uh, PSI pressure. Mm. Interesting. I'm a heavy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a heavy guy, but I, I don't like to ride at high pressure because uh, the vibrations really uh, get you tired at the end of the, of the day. As mm. I ride long distance, um, yeah, I don't ride uh, very high pressure. And uh, when I do uh, when I do bike packing, uh, I forgot the name of these tires, but they're, they're the most expensive and best tires. Jeez, <laughs> um, uh, I forgot. But I, I run a thirty twos. Ah, okay. Although, although if I was riding in the PNS, I don't think I would take. Well, maybe I would take thirty twos, just mm. for comfort. 
Mm. Yes, yes. Very insightful. No, thank you for sharing that. Of course, I bet you have a lot of experience, not just riding a bunch yourself and especially there in the Pyrenees, but also because you lead the tours, I'm sure many of your customers may have questions as they prepare to set off on these adventures with you. And of course, you are an expert in that area. And just in general, with all the bicycling you've done and adventuring, I'm sure you have a wealth of experience to share with them. And so people are in good hands when they're on one of your tours. Now, do you these days worry about things like your heart rate or your power when you're doing a tour or a ride or when you did the, the great race last year with your wife? Um, so when I, when I ride really like very long distance, I don't worry about it because um, you, it's racing, but you're, you're really you're racing for the very, very long distance. So you're not really too worried. I mean, you, you're not going to be in zone three uh, and, and you kind of know yourself when you're in, you, you, you want to stay in zone one most of the time and then eventually go into zone two. Uh, you might have to go into zone three, you know, in some of the mountains in the steepest uh, section just to move forward. But the goal is to never get into zone three. So you don't really need a power meter for that. And although it can be useful and you don't need to, uh, to have a, a heart rate monitor for that also. When I train, though, I train with a power meter all the time. Because I found it to be very, very good. Um, and when I guide, I also use the power meter uh, to make sure that uh, if some customers are very, very strong, and if, I, if they challenge me, to make sure that I don't put myself in the red. Because I need to, at the end of the day, they go have a shower, they have a beer, they have a massage. I need to continue working all night. I need to be fresh the next day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I need to do that day after day, the entire season. So I, I do use the parameter both in training and in guiding. But when I race, I don't. Um, and there, there are a couple of, of reasons for that. One, I don't want to have to deal with like charging it or you know having it stop running and then get frustrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, I don't want to be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> there are... When there are always times when you do when you do ultra distance when you start lacking energy, and then when you start seeing your power when you're able to like uh, so I have a three a three hundred watt FTP, uh, and then I so I usually I can ride you know all day at like two hundred twenty watt, mm. uh, but when you start seeing your power going down under two hundred watt or under hundred eighty watt. And then you're suffering, and then then it just it destroys your mental. So, <laughs> so I prefer not to have that. <laughs> yeah, that's true, Ashley. Um, very good insights. So, well, thanks for explaining just how you use uh, these metrics. You know, between again racing and just training, it is important. And also, as you mentioned, mentally, sometimes we just have to turn off the devices or not look at them because they're distracting us from being focused on the adventure at hand. And I couldn't agree more. I've had many times in my own cycling career where it's been, I've been in such a difficult place. I've just had to choose to either not bring the bicycle computer with or just not look at it because it's, uh, it, it definitely makes you get uh, negative thoughts in your mind when you see some kinds of discouraging things happening. But of course, especially for a long ride, I can imagine when you're riding 33 days across Europe with your wife, there were many times where physically and mentally it was very difficult and you had to kind of get over those humps many times, I'd imagine. 
Yes, yes. And it, it's hard enough to move forward. If you have something that tells you that you're doing less than half the power that you normally can do, yeah. it's even more depressing. So I prefer yeah. not to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, good strategy and a great tip. Moving on now to the next question, Jean-Fee, wondering when you're doing all your riding or even your touring, what are some of your own f- favorite ride snacks and hydration? What do you like eating and drinking on the bike? So um, I need to, well, I need to eat a lot. I'm a big eater mm. and I need a lot of food. So on, uh, on, the, on rides in the PNS when I'm guiding, it's very easy because we have the vehicle uh, that is with us. We have two vehicles always with us, mm. sometimes even three. <clears throat> so we always have food at hand everywhere. There are restaurants everywhere. Mm. So it, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, on ultra bike uh, racing, Depending on the country you're crossing, sometimes there, are, there is not much. And that's a big mm. problem for me because I need to eat a lot. My wife crossed over Europe without eating much. She mm. almost never needed to stop. I need to stop <laughs> everywhere there was a place because I always need to eat. Uh, <clears throat> so I, I usually like to eat, um, well, it depends where I am, but uh, I don't like to eat many energy bars or many, uh, mm. many special like cycling food. Mm. Um, I, I find them hard to digest. Mm. So usually I like, um, I like to have some solid food. Uh, in France, it's easy to find a sandwich with uh, cheese and ham. And uh, I, I really like that. I like to chew into things. Mm. <laughs> uh, if not, I like dried fruits. Uh, I like nuts. Um, I, I, like, uh, I definitely like salty things. But uh, I, mm. I don't like the energy bars. They're just too sweet. I take some always. And I take some gel. But uh, I only use them as like emergency. Mm. And I found that on the ultra cycling, um, I cannot swallow anything sweet after the second or third day. Mm. I just, I find it very, very, very difficult to, to digest and uh, start to get uh, stomach uh, um, acid in my stomach. And so I, I, I usually have a very hard time eating sweet. It's the same thing for drinks. I don't like to have any special drinks. I drink water. But I do get cramps very easily, especially if, if it's hot. So I take electrolyte pills. But I take them as, as pills, not as powder. First, I find it's, it's much easier to carry a lot of quantity of, uh, of small pills that you mm-hmm. can have anywhere in your pocket in uh, small uh, tubes than to have a lot of powder. The powder takes more volume. Uh, you have you use a lot of water to dilute it. And I find when I'm dehydrated, I can only drink water, nothing else. So I, that's usually what I drink. Now, when I do those ultra distances, it's funny because I never drink Coke, but when I <laughs> do these ultra distances, I feel like drinking Coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone there. I think we all kind of share that. I must say, though, my preferred beverage uh, cola is uh, ginger ale, actually. Uh, I would always like Sprite, but ginger ale tends to have a stronger flavor that I could actually taste, especially when you get several days into a race. But I really appreciate what you shared. I think it's very insightful. You know, it is true and many people talk about it and have come to realize for themselves that it is very difficult to digest a lot of the sports products that of course are ubiquitous and everywhere in an event and also marketed to us as athletes. And when you're going multiple days, it is tough to do uh, just digesting a lot of these things, uh, digesting them for days on end. And, you know, it's funny, we just actually interviewed uh, Team Bo and Babe, John and Nancy Guth. So folks can stay tuned for that episode if they haven't already seen it. But 
And they told us about one of their secret recipes, which has worked for a number of years. And it happened when Nancy, 70, year, 70 years old, she's been racing ultra races for a long time. She got into a very difficult place and she was cramping very badly. So her husband, John Goose, 67 years old, also an ultra racer, he made some instant uh, mashed potatoes and dumped in a whole bunch of Endurolite pills, electrolyte pills into it, and it ended up working for them. So anyway, uh, you know, you're talking about those electrolyte pills. There's another very experienced couple who has a lot of great experience with that. So there must be something there. <laughs> you're talking about Endurolytes, and yeah. uh, it's actually the electrolyte uh, pills that I, that I take. I was taking Endurolytes in the States, oh, okay. I, uh, yeah. I swear by it. Mm. And uh, in Europe, they have a different company. It's a, it's a parent company to Endurolytes. Um, it's called differently, but I, that's the same pill, you know, that's what I take. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're the ones that, that work the best for me. Right. Um, yeah. Very popular. And I would say even here again, I always make reference to the California double century series. A lot of the events, I'm not sure there by you, the ultra events, but many here at rest stops, you will find the hammer Endura lights, perhaps even other brands, but it's something that I've also used before and I can relate when I've gotten into position where it was just too hot or I wasn't being disciplined with my hydration and just being able to pop in a pill or two is always very quick and easy. And so I hope others out there watching can uh, take that to heart and perhaps they could try it and maybe it'll help them out. And of course it's helped you and it's helped John and Nancy and many others. So that's cool. I had a free bag of that across Europe. Of course, I, yeah. I was lucky because I was sponsored by the uh, by the UK company. Ah. But, uh, but I had a full bag of them, and I cool. yes, I, I will. Uh, I take a lot of them. So right now, how about after a ride? I mean, it sounds like you are eating kind of let's call it regular foods even during your racing. I'm just curious though, when you finish a nice long bicycle tour, perhaps, or even a, you know your own ultra race, what do you like eating as a post-ride meal? You know, at some point after the race, either after or the day after. When I finish the tours, I usually eat at restaurants because I eat with my customers, and so we eat mm. in uh, in very good restaurants, and so we have very very good French food. That's um, awesome. And always have a beer, a beer after the ride, uh, some good French yeah. food, some very good wine. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, we, we have to, um, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not 20 years old. I'm not trying to <laughs> race for the Olympics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> life is good and uh, we have to enjoy life. So yeah. I, uh, I don't have like uh, any specific, even though I'm, I'm a coach and I used to have like post-ride uh, <clears throat> meals and things that were really specific to recover. I no longer do that. I just enjoy life and I have some good food <laughs> and beer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good to hear. It is important to balance. There are times in life to be disciplined and focused and other times to really stop and smell the roses and enjoy what life has to offer. Now, I am on your website. You know, you mentioned a few things that kind of struck a chord in my head, you know, just to give folks some of, of a glimpse of, well, not only the books, that you have in the works or ones that you already have available, but also some of the adventures in your younger years. And of course, I Tarzan, this is a book coming soon, right? Yes. Yes. I, it's going to come this winter. It's in, uh, it's uh, currently receiving its final um, uh, proofreading pass. So right. the book is finished almost. 
So that's going to be my second book. And uh, I think it's even better than the first one, which, which won four worlds. Amazing. Yeah. And so, of course, for those who are wondering, this actually is Jean-Philippe Soule here on his adventures. Over 20 years ago, yes. Right. <laughs> when you were that uh, young 20, 30-year-old, and of course, you still have that adventure explorer heart and mindset. And it's great that you're able to share that with your customers in your touring rides. Now, I'm curious, of course, you live there in the mountains, but do you prefer the climbs or the descents or the rollers or the flats? That's a very interesting question. So I, as I mentioned earlier, I used to race track. Uh, I'm a post retail. Uh, my forte is definitely on the flat. But um, in French, we say a rouleur. In the, in the French, in the total French peloton, yeah, I would be a rouleur, not absolutely not a climber. But uh, what I, and I love descending mountains. I, I was, when I was young, I was a speed junkie. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I rode motorcycles. I, was, I just love speed. I just love mm. speed. And I still love speed. Of course, I don't have the reflex I had before. I don't have the same vision, so I'm not quite as fast, but I like to descend very, very fast. I, uh, I love descending the mountains. Um, but uh, I would say that what I prefer is climbing. Even though it's not my forte, mm. it's climbing. It's discovering the, the most beautiful landscapes. I love the mountains. I love mm. the mountains. I don't like to ride on the flat. Even though that would be my forte, that, that's not what I like. I love the mm. mountains. Yeah, that's cool. And I love riding on small mountain roads, not like the very big. Um, Alpe d'Huez is definitely not my favorite. Oh, I see. I like the small, quiet roads that just take you to a spectacular scenery. And that's what I've tried to put a lot into both the rides that I organize for my customers and the races that I organize. Right. And that's what I could tell from your photos and also the websites of your cycle tour company and also the Ultra Bike Pursuit. Now, these photos are from your race that you did with your wife last yes. year. And so we could see some of the grand adventures that you were on. And also here on your website, of course, a whole gallery of photos from your adventures. There you are again. So you also do enjoy photography and your photos have been featured in a variety of publications, which I know. Yes, I, I worked as a as a travel and documentary photographer for quite a few years. Yeah, I, I got published mm -hmm. by uh, National Geographic and uh, United Nations and and many other magazines. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Which is very cool because then, uh, of course, you are able to document many of your own adventures and to be able to share that with the rest of us. And I'm sure perhaps even your clients on your tours appreciate that as well. Now getting back to the downhills, so you like descending. What has been your max speed down a hill in your lifetime? Uh, 108 kilometers an hour. Wow. Going down, going down to Mali. Ah, geez, so that's about just over 67 miles per hour. That is, that is very fast. It's actually as fast as the fastest recording pro during the Tour de France. Wow. Even though it was with open traffic and cars go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so definitely 
a speed junkie for sure. <laughs> not, not any, not any longer. I did that about 15 years ago. I think yeah. the maximum I will go now is about. I haven't reached a hundred kilometers an hour in about maybe six, seven years. Mm. I, wow. I'm a little more conservative. <laughs> yeah, and I guess you should be. You've had many years of living on the edge. Now, of course, you still do, but in other ways, and you're able to enjoy after all those grand adventures. So that's very cool. Now, it's very, it's very nice to learn about you. Of course, you have a whole variety of experience yourself firsthand. So I could just imagine for the ultra bike pursuit and other things that you do, what you bring to the table and how you shape the things that people participate in. It's very, very exciting. Just curious, when you enjoy riding the most, what season out there in France? Fall, winter, spring, or summertime? I like them more. I like them all because they're mm. all different. Um, mm. You know, I lived in the tropics for a long time, and I love the tropics. I love the ocean. I love the jungle. Uh, but I, when I lived in the tropics, I'm, I very much miss the four seasons. Mm. I love the four seasons. So um, in the summer, it's, uh, it's more crowded. Although the Pyrenees is not crowded at all, it's still more crowded, especially when the two friends come. Um, and it's, uh, it can be a little hotter. Um, it's not my favorite time, but I really enjoy it because I ride with customers and they discover, you know, those beautiful scenery. So I, I, I really enjoy it. But um, I really like it in the spring because all the mountain, the mountain uh, tops are still uh, covered with snow. All the flowers are blooming and uh, there is nobody on the roads. And uh, it's just like we have the mountains for ourselves and it's, it's just beautiful. I love the fall because the foliage is changing colors and it's also very, very beautiful. And I love the winter uh, when uh, we are very lucky that uh, the PNS is the PNS, the PNS extends between France and Spain and between the Atlantic Ocean and the uh, Mediterranean Sea. And we have so many microclimates. The, the west is more humid and the, the east is, is much drier. I live in the center. I live in the heart of the Pyrenees and it's fairly dry in the winter. We have, uh, we have rain, we have snow sometimes. We have snow in the mountains, but not where I live in the valley, not too much. So we can ride uh, all winter long. And many of the mountain climbs that we do in Tour de France, uh, we can ride them in the winter. Some are closed with snow, but some are ski areas. So they are kept open, they are, the, the roads are maintained. And uh, my favorite winter climb, for example, is Hotakam. It's the famous mountain finish of the Tour de France, Hotakam, mm. uh, which happens to be the very last climb of the ultra bike pursuit. Uh, it's, uh, it's a very, very tough climb, but because it's a ski area and it's a very small ski area, there are not many people. If you go on a weekday in the winter, and because it's all exposed to the sun all day long, uh, you can have like uh, one or two meter snow banks and the road can be entirely dry. On a sunny day, you have just 360 views of, of uh, snowed mountains and it's just spectacular, spectacular. So wow, I, I like all seasons. Sounds like, sounds like a dream, Jean-Fi. You're living the dream. <laughs> I think living in the PNS is living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, well, uh, you know, from everything that we've discussed so far and everything I've seen and others can check out on your various websites, they can see that it hasn't just been now in your later years that you've been living that dream, but quite frankly, your whole life. And that is, I think, a topic of your first book and all of them about sharing the adventures and your choice to do that. So 
Now, I did want to quickly mention on the Ultra Bike Pursuit, here's the map. And of course, we saw some of the live tracking with the racers on there. For those who aren't familiar, so France up here, north of Spain. And you were just talking about the Pyrenees, which passes through and divides both those countries. And so you actually live somewhere here in the middle area, you said, right? You see where you see the name Pierre Charles there at mm -hmm. the start. Right. Um, then if you go slightly, if you go slightly above, you see the town Tarbes. Mm. You see a lake there on the right. Mm. Exactly. I live here. Ah, okay. So I am not in the mountains. I'm, uh, I'm about less than 20 kilometers. Less than about, I'm about 12 miles from wow. the foot of the mountains, which That's means that I can access all the mountains from home. Amazing. But in the winter, there is no snow where I live. Hmm. I, just, I just can see the, the, the snow on the mountains. And I right. can ride all winter around. Uh, I can ride. You see that first part uh, of the uh, ultra bike post suite uh, that, that goes right, uh, hmm. that goes east, that, right. that red line from the, yes. from the start. That first section here is called the Baronies. It's very wide, very, very, very be beautiful. And that's my turning ground in the winter. Mm. Right here, where you have your your mouse, yes. Yeah. This section here, it's just very beautiful. I can only imagine. Haven't been out there myself, so we'll have to sign up for one of your tours, and explore this entire route. Now, of course, if I were to sign up for the Ultra Bike Pursuit, then that would be exactly it. And as you could see, as you mentioned, so in the Ultra Bike Pursuit, there is the ultimate Pyrenees Pursuit, at least this year. That's what it was, and Pierre Charles was the one to finish that and, and won that. And that is actually both courses, the one that goes out to the right and one that goes out to the left west to the Atlantic Ocean. And so yes. folks can get some idea in terms of what that looks like. If we look at the elevation here, we can see, so on the red, what that looks like. I mean, all I see really is climbing and descending. <laughs> and then of course, there even on the green. There is almost no flat. So yeah. the it, it's basically it's two different events that can com be combined into one. There are two different start dates. You can choose the Western PNS or you can choose the Eastern PNS. Right. Uh, and then, or you can do both. So Pierre Charles has, has done both, but most uh, other participants, they did one or the other. And between the two halves, you can also choose uh, between three different distances. Ah, yeah, so there... When I originally, well, the, the ultra bike post suite is, you talked about like my life as a, uh, outside of cycling. And I think it's a, it's a good point because I, I think when I discovered bikepacking, it was pretty much a combination of my work and my, my, uh, my professional life as a cyclist with my other life as an, as a world adventurer. And mm, I think bikepacking yeah. is the perfect combination of all these things that I love. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the cycling, the sport of cycling, which I absolutely love, uh, but also uh, combined with the adventure and the travel and the discovery and, and, and meeting people, which is the other part of, of life that I really love. And I think bikepacking combines both of these. So mm. it really is a fantastic sport and, and, and something I absolutely love. Um, and I wanted to do, uh, when I... When I decided to organize a bikepacking event, I wanted to combine all these things. I wanted to put all my life experience of travel, adventure, and uh, always looking for the ultimate challenge, but not only the physical challenge, but the, the, the ultimate cultural discovery, the ultimate landscape, just, just uh, looking for 
the most beautiful scenery always. So I wanted to combine all of that into a single event. Yeah, but, that's very special. And it, so it wasn't like you had just thrown something together, but it's really no, been no, an accumulation of a lifetime of grand adventures and exploration and well thought out. So those who are interested, I think it's safe to say that we can highly encourage people to look in participating because it will be a grand combination of adventure. Of course, as a tour guide, you've been doing that for many years. They can be sure that what you've put together is going to be a fantastic experience overall. And then for those who like a big challenge, you can't get any more difficult than climbing through all of the Pyrenees if that was somebody's choice. <laughs> but at the same time, you have made it accessible. As you mentioned, there are different options as well. And I know this year there was the Tourmalet Pursuit and the hardcore loop was 700 miles, 72,200 feet of climbing. And then there was the Hotacom Pursuit that hardcore loop was 750 miles, 108,300 feet of climbing. You also did have the discovery loop, which was 340 miles, 40,700 feet of climbing. And so with that, I mean, there's really no excuse to not sign up. I mean, who wouldn't want to ride in the snow-capped Pyrenees Mountains? <laughs> the, the thing is, I, what I did when I organized this is I, I organized my dream events. The, the, mm. the event I was dreaming of doing myself. Uh, so I combined all the most beautiful roads um, and all mountains. I wanted no dull flat. I think I, I really enjoyed the, the, the experience of Nonscape Tarifa, but there were some very long moments on like uh, dull flat roads. And uh, I, I don't think mm. every country is perfectly suited for cycling. <laughs> <laughs> so even though it's a grand experience and I recommend it, I just, I wanted something where every kilometer was beautiful. Every kilometer. Mm. So that's with this in mind that I organized the, uh, the Utah Bike Post But then when I finished organizing, I mean, designing it, uh, which took about six months of work, even though I knew every single road by heart, mm. um, I realized it was way too hard for most people. Uh, I see. <laughs> so I thought if I want anybody to come and even participate, <laughs> I think I, I need to go to give more options of not like easier, but like shorter, shorter rides with less elevation. Uh, so that's what I did. But I didn't want to compromise on any of the beautiful scenery. So even the short discovery loops are quite challenging, mm. but more manageable by more people because, uh, yes, they, they have uh, distances and elevation gain that are more manageable. Right, right. Yeah, so very well thought out, of course. And I, I would look forward to participating myself. I think, as you mentioned, you designed it in a way where you would love it and it would be your dream course. And I know for next year, you are planning to rename. So there's the Catalan Pursuit, the Basque yes, Pursuit. I'm, I'm changing the names. I'm changing the, the, the Eastern and Western names because mm. I think that the Tumale and uh, Hotakam, they were the, the last climbs that people did in each of these uh, uh, events mm. but they didn't really um, I think give a, um, a good idea of what the events were about I think by mm. choosing the uh, the region of Catalonia and the region of the Basque Country uh, as the names of the event as the 
The boss event starts in the center of the PNS, in the heart of the PNS, which is called the Hot PNS. And they go to the Mediterranean Sea and back. So that's, they go to Catalonia. So mm. that's the Catalan pursuit. And then come back. And then the next event goes to the, the uh, Atlantic Sea, the Atlantic o- o- Ocean, sorry, and back to the uh, Hot Pyrenees. So it goes through the Basque Country and back. So that's why I renamed them to uh, uh, after the regions they're crossing. Right. And it's and, a lot. I mean, these photos from the course are just breathtaking. Of course, many of us, I'm sure, have seen similar images in the Tour de France just online and researching or watching some kind of documentary film. But to think that you would be able to ride in all of these beautiful scenes. Yeah, it's a dream you have to pay for. You you need to uh, you need to push up the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is true. But uh, it it really is a dream, um, and I think that uh, if you're not a pure climber, you should start with the shorter distance. Mm. But you, you will enjoy the scenery so much. I think if you if you do the discovery, you have up to five days to finish the discovery loop. So if you do 500 kilometers in five days, that's only 100 kilometers per day. Mm. I think most cyclists can do that. Yeah, that sounds very accessible, very doable. And, you know, as they say, there's always a motivation to get to the top and perhaps that's the descent on the other side, but that's kind of dull and boring. I think if there's any reason to climb up a mountain, it is captured in these photographs. It would probably just fly by. The time would just pass by so quickly and you wouldn't want it to end. You would want to do the course another time around. <laughs> now, of <laughs> course, Pierre Charles, who is in this photo, he did something pretty crazy that was almost like that. He had biked. Of course, we did capture an interview with him several episodes ago, and he bicycled from his home to the starting line of the race across France. And then after completing that event, he biked all the way to the starting line of this event, the Ultra Bike Pursuit, did that whole event in over 10 days, around 11. And then he biked home from there. Yeah, he, what he did was just incredible. I, I wasn't sure someone could even finish the, uh, the um, Ultimate Pyrenees Pursuit. And uh, not only finished, but... Um, unlike other participants who, who were all very, very good and they, they absolutely loved uh, the, the, the full experience, but there are some times when they suffered. I never mm. saw Pierre Charles suffer, never. Mm. He was always, he had a huge smile on his face all the time. He was like, I'm in paradise, I'm in paradise. It's the most beautiful cycling I've ever done. Every single day he kept repeating that and uh, <laughs> he just never seemed to suffer. Amazing. <laughs> But as he said in our interview with him, and of course you were in there helping to translate a bit, although he spoke very good English, he was saying that this event seemed to have been designed specifically for him. And so not only was it your dream course, but it was also his. I I think so, yes, (laughs) yes. That's what he kept repeating. (laughs) That's incredible. And so some amazing photos there. I'm glad you were able to capture those and share those experiences with the rest of us. I think it is a very unique event on the ultra cycling calendar. Of course, there are many adventures all around the world and many courses, but this one is exceptionally unique, very well known. And looking at all the photos, I must say 
you know, some of the best views, scenes, and challenges that you could get anywhere in the world. So I do hope to see many more participate in this event in the years to come and hope to make it out there myself. And I'm sure even my wife and my family would enjoy not riding, I don't think, but perhaps just sightseeing <laughs> there. <laughs> there is a lot of sightseeing. It's, just, yeah. it's actually very popular. On the tours, we have many people who come and uh, they come with their non-cycling spouse who do mm. sightseeing, uh, who, who eat some of the local food, who uh, take mm. uh, a lift up the mountain and uh, visit some of the traditional Basque little uh, villages. And uh, it's just, there is a lot to do. So, yeah, yes, that's fantastic. Cyclists. But, uh, but cyclists, for cyclists, it's paradise. Right. It's absolute, absolute paradise. So it would be fantastic to have you, uh, to have you come on the uh, uh, participate in the event. And of course, we welcome, we, we know it's a little difficult now with the COVID, you know, for Americans to, uh, to come to Europe. Yeah. But hopefully, we, uh, hopefully, we'll have this behind us very soon. And then uh, life will resume to normal. And then we'll uh, be yeah. able to host uh, American participants on this event, uh, right. not only Europeans. Something to look forward to in this uncertain time of the pandemic. And I know from a previous episode with Lori Hecklin, episode 19, she loves France and has ridden there many times, I think almost every year. And when I asked her what she's looking forward to in the post-pandemic era, once things start easing up and opening up again, she said she, of course, would love to go to France and climb all the mountains again. So if, Laura, you're watching, I think we found your dream ultra race also. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised if she signs up the, for the event, if she hasn't already or has hasn't already put it on her radar because she loves riding out there. She's done an Everesting challenge out there on a, I think one or two climbs uh, on different occasions. And so, wow, I think Jean-Fi, once more people get to know of this course, I think you'll find that you've actually put together the dream course for, for many cyclists. <laughs> well, I certainly hope so because uh, as uh, it's always been my goal to share my passion and uh, I have a passion for this sport and a passion for these mountains. I'm from the Pyrenees, mm. um, and I, I just I love these mountains, and uh, so I um, I hope that I can share this passion with many others. So yes, mm. I hope so. Yes, and I could see that, and again, do appreciate you sharing that passion, and I could see that that is all that exudes from you. So it's a pleasure to talk with you. Now I am wondering for you in in all of the events that you have not just written but also have put together and hosted and all the tours that you've done what do you think ultra cycling requires more of physical or mental training and fortitude i think mental training is the uh mental training and, and just never giving up it's the it's the key i think in mm. uh, in every ultra endurance doesn't have to be only cycling in kayaking in in trekking in uh, in running in cross-country skiing i think in mm. I think the mental is more important than the physical training. Of course, physical training is important, um, but the mental is everything, I think. Mm. Yes, very well said. And of course, coming from a man who has done 8,000 or so, what was it, 8,000 kilometers last year with your wife and all of the other grand adventures. Of course, for those who are very curious to learn more and to get involved, jeanphilippesoulet.com, they can find out all about your adventures. And of course, as an author, you do have books that people can read. 
to learn all about it and to see this colorful life that you've had of, as a travel adventure, as an athlete yourself, as we began the show in the introduction, a humanitarian photographer and a motivational speaker. So if somebody is looking, both individuals and also businesses, looking for somebody to get folks fired up, I think we definitely have found the right person. <laughs> Why, thank you. And of course, on your Facebook page, including your website, folks can find out more and follow your journey as an author also. Now, Dancing with Death was your first book, right? Yes, that was my first book published in 2019. Uh, it's about my three-year sea kayak expedition in Central America to uh, document the lifestyle of indigenous people. Wow. So it's, a, it's, it's an epic adventure. And I did that with uh, my, um, my kayaking partner, uh, Luke Schrenberger, who's from Vermont in the States. Mm. Uh, very, very close friend. And uh, so we, we shared that adventure for three years. And it was, it was just epic. Uh, we're, we're very, uh, very lucky to have survived. <laughs> <laughs> and, yes. uh, and to be there to tell the story. So it's actually a, a, a book we co-wrote together. Mm. And that's, that's my first book. My second book is coming out this winter. It's my, my second book is more like my biography, my first, uh, my, my childhood in France, mm. my experience in the French Special Forces uh, in, in mountain rescue, mm. and then uh, my experience moving to the States and uh, living the American dream until I, until I quit the American dream and Microsoft to live my own dream of, uh, of, of an adventure life. Incredible. Very inspirational. And I have a third book. I have a third book. <laughs> Wow. Who's, which is specifically about ultra cycling. Ah, well, and what is that one going to be called? Do you have a, a title for that? I don't know. Share? I don't know. I, I finished writing the first draft. It's currently in the first editing uh, pass. Mm. Um, so I'm not sure, maybe in the spring or uh, hopefully, hopefully in the winter. Very cool. And for your second book, I Tarzan, again, on your website, a lot of great content there. I did want to show folks because I remember seeing a nice series of photos of Jean-Phi himself here, <laughs> age two, already adventuring in the French Pyrenees. So you were born and raised to be an explorer. And it's so cool. It must be awesome looking back. You're 54 years old now, looking back and seeing that you have been able to live out what you set out to do from the very beginning age 18 yeah that's well that's the story in i thousand but that was not easy that uh, that mm. came with uh, many uh, <laughs> a lot of advers adversity <laughs> many odds imagine. to fight against so and there you are age 18 french mountain commando so it would be exciting to read your books to learn all about that adversity and how you've overcome of course, that is a cornerstone of ultra-minded people and ultra-cyclists, of course, that in every ride, whether it's a race, a bikepacking event, a tour, there is always things to overcome and lessons to learn and epic adventures to be had. And of course, you epitomize that very well through your whole life. And it's amazing that you're still doing that to this very day. And... You know, with Velotopo, your cycle touring company, you are able to share that passion with others as you've expressed as your desire. 
And so it's cool that we all have the opportunity to participate and to enjoy all that you have found enjoyable in life and all the adventures that you've loved. And there's a nice write-up of yourself as well for those who would like to know more about who you are on the site. Great photographs. There you are, living the life. <laughs> <laughs> it's true that, uh, it's true that uh, being a tour operator and, uh, and a cycling guide is the, is the dream life. Mm. <laughs> it's not uh, a get-rich life, but uh, it's so rich uh, with the experience and uh, the mm. people you meet. So it, it's what I love, the, I, I love the most about it, is that uh, I meet wonderful people and uh, we live the dream together. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And of course, you have many years of experience and you've explored, you've been to the four corners of the world. So hearing that come from you, I think is, is very informative and very important to emphasize that in the life that you've chosen to live your dream, it is very rich with experience and joy and passion. And of course, here is you and your wife being able to do this and enjoy it together. So that must be just an unforgettable partnership. And every day must be such a grand adventure, I could imagine. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough when she gives me a hard time in the mountains, you know, when she kicks my butt. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, it's fantastic. It's fantastic we can yeah. share this. Um, and these are our happy customers there. Yes, mm. uh, it's... Um, it's a grand life. It's a grand life. I, I loved working at Microsoft. It was uh, mm. it was a, a, a good experience, you know. I loved it, but uh, it was not a life for me. This is the, this is the life for me. Mm. Yeah, and you're living that life very well and sharing it with others. So that's really a blessing for cyclists all around the world to have somebody that is so aware and so knowledgeable about the French Pyrenees and well, all of the Pyrenees and as an adventurer and explorer and fearless one at that, I think you make for a great leader in all that you do. And so I, I'll, I know I'll look forward to following your adventures and also reading your books and also staying in touch with the ultra bike pursuit to see all of the adventures they come out of that from the people that sign up for that event. And again, hope that I can make it out there one day to participate. I think that would in itself be a great accomplishment, but also a great adventure. Perhaps it can kickstart a life of adventuring just like Jean Fi has embarked on the last several decades. <laughs> you know, it's never too late. It's never too late. And uh, yeah. it's... Um... It's a compromise. I mean, it's not always easy. Uh, there are some some difficult times, but uh, like you know, in everything else, so it's uh, it's a choice. It's a choice of life, and uh, I um, I think it was a good choice for me. Yes, I would agree. I think we can all agree on that, John. Fee. great choice that you made. I'm sure it wasn't an easy one, but looking back now to see how far you've come and the joy and passion that you still have till this day, and I'm sure you're just. At the halfway point of life, I'm sure you'll get to at least 100 and you'll still be adventuring then. <laughs> well, I hope so. I hope so. I, uh, 
I hope I still be on my bicycle, at least in my 80s, you know, and climbing mountains, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jean-Fi, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. In closing, I have several other short questions. I think the first one is simply, what tips do you have for other people, not just to get started with ultra cycling, but in the context of your own life, get started with adventuring in the manner that you have? Just... If you have a dream, follow your dream. Don't, don't be held by anybody who tells you that, who tell you that you cannot do it. Mm. And don't be held by yourself telling yourself that you cannot do it. I think it's the, when you ask me about uh, what is the most important in ultra, uh, ultra bikepacking or ultra, ultra cycling, I tell you it's the mind. Mm. And I, I think it's the, the truth, not only in cycling, but in life, in any endurance sports, but also in life. I think it's like if you, if you dream of something, just believe that you can do it and try it. And mm. even if you don't succeed, it doesn't matter because it's not the uh, end goal that matters the most. It's expense getting there. So it's the same thing in cycling. In cycling, it's not reaching the finish that is the most important. It's to participate and to enjoy every moment of it mm. or even to suffer. I mean, it's part of the experience. <laughs> but right. it's, it's that full experience that is, that is the most important. And it's the same thing in life. I think... Uh, if you if you have a dream, just follow your dream, and then mm. no matter what, no matter if you manage to realize it or not, I think your experience following your dream will be the, the life that you're supposed to live. So, mm. so that would be my my best recommendation. I love that, John Fee. Beautifully said, and of course, you have lived that out very well, and you are a proof that that is possible if you follow your dreams and your passions, and that is very important. And oddly enough, when I did the Race Across America, my slogan written on my jersey was, in fact, the journey is the destination. And so I can relate and appreciate what you just said very much so. We always talk about the distance of the event for the Race Across America, 3,000 miles, for the event that you did last year with your wife, 8,000 kilometers. But in fact, the journey to the starting line in itself is what really shapes you to be the kind of person or the cyclist to be able to make that that trek across a continent or a country or whatever the case may be. So very well said and look forward I to reading so. your I think books. The adventure starts as soon as you start dreaming. Mm. Ooh, that's a good one, John Fee. We're gonna have to tweet that one. <laughs> <laughs> well you you should read I mean you you and, and your auditors should read my books because um, I think it's um, I think I carry that across very, very well in the, in the books I write. Um, I use my life experience and the adventure uh, mm. to, to really try to, uh, to, to show, you know, that philosophy of life. So, Yeah, well, we look forward to it, John Fee, and thank you for your time. A couple of short questions in closing out in a fun way, sprint line to the finish. How would you rate yourself in terms of bicycle maintenance? My guess is it would be high because you have a bicycle tour company, but perhaps there's other people that help with that. On a scale of one to 10, where would you put yourself? 10 being great. <laughs> um, maybe eight. Wow. Okay, uh, great. I would say, I would say I, uh, I'm not a professional bike mechanic, but I do everything on my bike. Right. So, um, yeah, I, 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 on, on a road bike, I do everything. Mm. Uh, on a mountain bike, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't touch this. I don't touch suspensions and things like this. Right, but no. but on a road bike, I do everything. Uh, when it's customers' bikes, 
I prefer to have, uh, depending on the size of the group, uh, professional mechanic that mm. uh, often work with us. You know, I prefer to have them work on on the bikes. But uh, but if I have to, yeah, I can I can do pretty much everything. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. That's great. Now, do you have a, a dream bicycle still that you would love to own one day, or do you already own it? Is it your Holland bicycle? Yes, I think um, I, I can't imagine anything better than that. I mm. was. Uh, I loved my uh, my specialized S Fox Tarmac. I loved it. Mm. Um, I had two in a row actually. Um, mm. But uh, when I started to ride my my Holland bike, I just uh, it it was yeah, it was much better. Even though I had heard from all my customers who come on that group with Bill uh, that the Holland bike is fantastic, and they all had multiple bikes and they all preferred their Holland bike. I thought, well, sure, it's going to be good. I mean, it has to be, you know, a custom-made bike, you know. And, but I, I didn't expect it to be. I didn't expect it to be that good. Um, it's like, it's like having a pure racing bike, which at the same time is like extremely smooth. Mm. It's just, it's an amazing feeling. So, so yeah, no, I can't imagine of anything better. Yeah, that that sounds like a dream bike to me. All right, Jean Fee, last question. Who would you want to nominate for an episode on this show? Of course, we already have had Pierre Charles on the show. Has there been someone else who has inspired you in your own life or a story that you would just like to know more about yourself? Uh, that's a hard question. No, in the, um, in the cycling, um, no, I, I, I don't know. I think I've, I've been inspired by so many people. I mean, uh, in, in life, uh, I think... Uh, I'm inspired by all the people who live very adventurous life. I, my first inspiration was Jacques Cousteau when I was three years old. Mm. I think he's probably the one that uh, that uh, gave me the adventure bug, I think, uh, since I was three years old. So uh, Tarzan was my other inspiration was at five years old, which is why it's the title of my book. But mm. I, I've always been inspired by, by people who live an adventure life. Uh, mm. So uh, I think... Um, I'm sure that uh, you could take any participant of a ultra backpacking race and they will be passionating people because you have to be to do this type of event. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's very true. And that's the beautiful thing about the ultra cycling family, that we are all, all of the same mindset and we can appreciate the challenges, but also the adventures and the beauty in all that we do. And when you could share it with somebody, that you can't beat that. And so it's really cool to see you and your wife being able to not only ride together, but able to live this dream of adventure together from the very beginning when you met. And so Jean-Fi, we'll be following your journey very closely. We wish you all the best on all of your upcoming adventures. Look forward to seeing you out there in the Pyrenees very soon. And uh, until then, just take care and uh, have fun with all your adventures. Thank you very much for having me on your show. And uh, I look forward to meeting you in person uh, in the close future. But uh, in the meantime, we stay in touch. Yes, I can't wait. So thanks a lot. And for everyone watching at home, I hope you got some good inspiration from this. But more than that, also, you got a glimpse into some of the grand adventure awaiting you. Definitely check out one of jean Fee's books and also check out the Ultra Bike Pursuit. I'm sure you would enjoy it as an ultra cyclist and also as a great challenge. Until next episode, everyone, keep spinning ultra. Mm.